0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, good morning. morning. It's great to see you here today. Welcome to those watching and worshiping online. This time last week, I had missed my flight in Washington, D.C., so I was blessed with a final nine-hour layover, (laughs) and I was able to watch this service, so I appreciate Pastor Vicente. What a great word he had last week, right? Amen. I will tell him you did not clap. That's what I will tell him. No, don't clap now. It's too late. You missed it the first time and tell him he's not appreciated. I'm just kidding. I'll tell him. He did a great job, didn't he? Your response was just as bad on the second time, so I don't know how today is going to go. Uh, thanks so much for being here, and uh, I want to give you just a little update from uh, last week. I wasn't able to be back in time. I was in Tanzania, and I had the opportunity to preach for their general council of the Assemblies of God of Tanzania. So it's every other year, just like here in America, they had over 5,000 pastors and leaders uh, that gathered under one roof, uh, more that could not fit in the building. And uh, I was able to come. They said I was the youngest bishop to come and preach, and so I told Dr. Barnabas we don't really do bishops over here in America, but he said, you are a bishop in Africa. I said, okay. (laughs) I am now a bishop in Africa, but uh, thanks for your prayers, and I just wanted to give you a few highlights from that. I'm going to get to the note sheet in a minute. I'll probably end close to on time, but it'll be late, and uh, just want to share with you a little bit, though, about that. I don't miss very often to go. Um, never really go preach at another friend's church on a Sunday or anything, but uh, once or twice a year, if there's an opportunity with one of our missions partners, I may do so. But let me just say, I'm going to do my best to try to use my words to explain to you. We do have a few pictures. Um, I'm going to do my best to explain to you what I experienced, but for everyone who's ever been on a global trip, you know what you experience is really difficult to explain right? We go and we help, we serve, we we preach, we bless, but really we know the Lord does so much in us, and that's really, we know when we're on site, whether that's driving up the freeway, helping somebody in our neighborhood, when we are there physically. It does something to move missions, this call of God, this kingdom expansion from something that we think about to something that we feel. And there's something undeniable that happens. I just want to say, I'm going to echo what Pastor Lewis has mentioned. After service, Pastor Vicente will be in the lobby again. You can sign up. We only have two global trips left this year. Um, One is next month in September. It's a virtual trip to Turkey, but there's still in-person activities here at the church. Uh, going to some mosques here in Minneapolis and so sign up for that or uh, going to Columbia in November uh, where Pastor Vicente is from. So we just encourage you sign up for those because although we'll try to explain, it's really something to be experienced. And if you've never done that, uh, I would just encourage you with that. So let me show you a few pictures from the trip and then I will still preach today. So you're kind of getting two things at once and uh, I appreciate that. So I went to uh, Tanzania, which is in East Africa and this is Indodoma. This is the, the main building there where they, uh, it's called Central Bible College. So they have an undergraduate program. Now they have masters. And then as you'll see a little bit later, we just dedicated their building for a PhD program. And um, we were able to go and preach. They hosted the general council there also. The Tanzanian government has moved their capital to Dodoma. It used to be in Dar es Salaam, the bigger city. They moved to Dodoma after this happened. I think it's interesting that the government followed the church headquarters. <laughs> I don't know if they planned it that way or not, but that is what happened. And so we were able to be there, Central Bible College in Dodoma, uh, Tanzania. The second picture you'll see is um, there's 5,000 people, like I said, in the building and uh, no air conditioning. Yeah, exactly. My thoughts as I was on the front row, just almost dying up there, you know, and, uh, but it was, it was powerful. The services were over three and a half hours. Did I mention I was on the front of the platform with no air conditioning and uh, it was a big deal, but uh, I want you to know that um, the kingdom of God is advancing. You may not know that if you only watch American news. You may not realize that if you only follow negative people online, but the kingdom of God is advancing. And I want to say it's advancing rapidly. More people are coming to know Jesus now than ever before. More people are surrendering their life to him. More people are saying yes to becoming a pastor and planting churches and becoming a missionary. The kingdom of God is is advancing. And these men and women, mostly men though, uh, were there. They were hungry, taking notes the whole time. And uh, it was just an amazing thing to be part of in that building. Um, the third picture you see there is uh, when Dr. Barnabas had introduced me. As I said, he said I was the youngest bishop to come and preach for their general council. It was an incredible experience. And um, there was a word that was given that the Doma... Uh, had been known as the sunken place. It was a lower level, uh, but a prophetic word on the first night was given that it would no longer be known as the sunken place. That was what Dodoma really meant, but it would be known as the rising place. And I didn't know that, but I had just changed my message. I was going to preach on something else, and it just changed my message to preach the opening message that I did for Sizzling Summer called the Exalted House. And there there was a combination tie-in of what had been the sunken place now that the house of the Lord would be the exalted place. And and so we're seeing that go forward, and it was just an amazing thing to be part of. Uh, The fourth picture, you see, all the men in the white picture were getting ordained. There were 607 of them. You could tell there were seven rows deep, and then like whatever that is, 90 across. And uh, I joined in line with 71... Other bishops, district superintendents, you see there, that first row, and we would go lay hands on them to commission them. When there's 607 of them, they don't read them by name at the start of it. After the service, they read them by name, and that's how the services go a really long time, and uh, we laid hands on each and every one, and I want you to know uh, how in tune they were with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. See, each of them, in order to become an ordained pastor with the Tanzanian Assembly of God, had to have already planted at least one church. Of course, they did their theological training. Of course, they had done all this stuff, but they had also planted a church. You cannot get ordained as a pastor unless you've started a church. <laughs> they wanna know if you're good soil or not before they say you're a real pastor. Before that, it's like you're trying, but until they see good fruit, they're like, ordination's not for you. So we prayed for those, and I'm telling you, the ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, was just so powerful, and, and I want you to know that the national church This is a commitment that we have as the Assemblies of God, the indigenous church, the national church. It's the sustainable model. I believe the only sustainable model. We cannot afford to continue to send people from America all the way around the world and do everything. Like mathematically, it doesn't work, But theologically, I think it's off as well. And I want you to know that it's sustainable now through the training of these pastors. They run their own Bible college. They run their own church planting schools. And they are reaching their own people for the glory of God. And so we come alongside of them with some American dollars. We can help build some buildings. We can help create some things. But they are reaching their nation. And by the way, they're believing for 200 missionaries to send out in the next decade all over Africa and around the world because a missionary came decades ago, but now the church of Jesus has taken root. The church of Jesus Christ, Tanzania, the of God, is strong, and I believe it's a great investment. Amen? All right. The fifth picture that you'll see is uh, the main building that we dedicated. This was the sanctuary that's on property. This is now um, where their headquarters is. As I said, they relocated there, but also you see up top, it's a five-story building, so I was trying to get the whole picture it's Africa's Continental Theological Seminary. It's the only English-speaking Pentecostal seminary degree on the continent. Therefore, at this event, there was seven other general superintendents, Kenya, Rwanda, Mozambique, different nations had all come and gathered because although it's in Tanzania, they said it's ours as Africa. And, and so it was a big deal that they came to celebrate that government leaders were there and uh, it's an awesome thing to get to be part of that some of the other buildings don't cost as much as I'll show you those pictures this one because it's a hundred thousand square feet and five stories tall and they had just a few air conditioning units outside of them I'm pretty sure dr. Barnabas has air conditioning and uh, he's the leader he came here a couple years ago anyway that was about a million dollars and so we got together with a bunch of churches over the last few years and uh, helped make that possible the sixth picture I thought this 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 was incredible. This is Dr. Tulia Axon, and she uh, was almost my height, but with the heels she was wearing, she was taller than me. And um, she was recently elected, just in February, as the national speaker of the assembly of Tanzania, not the Assemblies of God, of the government. She won a national election, and um, she said in her speech, you know, there are some politicians that you could tell uh, that are reading a Bible verse for the first time. You know what I'm talking about. This lady had no notes. And she stood up there in front of the crowd and recited scripture after scripture after scripture. And I was like, there's something different about her. And I asked later, she had grown up in the Tanzania Assemblies of God. She's a church girl that 10 years ago, Dr. Barnabas had said, you know, we need to plant 10,000 new churches in Tanzania. And they did that. But another goal that they had is that they need to raise government leaders from within the church. So they said, yes, we're going to vote in our elections, but we're going to raise men and women who will go into the political arena and they will represent the word of God and the kingdom of God in their elected position. And it took 10 years, but this girl grew up in the Assemblies of God, young lady, and is now, I think, like the number three person in the country, the national speaker of the Assembly of Tanzania. She had her own bodyguards and everything, a big deal. And Dr. Barnabas, as I was talking with him at lunch after this, he said, you need to encourage the kids back in America to run for student office at their schools. He said, you need to get them used to winning elections because the Lord will need them at the highest levels of office in America because he said, we cannot make the difference that God wants for us if we only vote in elections, if we don't participate in them as well. So this was an incredible testimony in her speech. She actually said, this church raised me. And there she is now representing their entire country. What a powerful testimony, Dr. Tulia Axon. uh, The the seventh picture there is uh, of the prime minister. Now this is Dr. Barnabas on the left there with the microphone. And then this is the prime minister on the right. And then the three people, one, two, and then up on the left. Those are three of the bodyguards for the prime minister. If you notice, that's as close as I was. Earlier in the day, I was at the front table. And then when the prime minister walked in, I got moved to row three because the prime minister sits alone at the front table and then all the bodyguards around him. And so I couldn't get too close to even touch him, uh, which is funny. One guy tried to touch him and the security guard just chopped his arm off right there. I mean, not really, just, you know, not like an actual hatchet, you know, just whoop-ow. It's <laughs> so it was like, he lost his arm. No, 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 he just, anyway. So, So this is Dr. Barnabas praying for the prime minister of Tanzania, interestingly enough, he's a Muslim. He's not a follower of Jesus. And Dr. Barnabas said, I wanna pray for you and we wanna pray that the work of your hand would be blessed by the Lord Jesus. And he received the prayers of those 5,000 pastors and leaders that day. God's given Dr. Barnabas great favor and it's a privilege uh, to partner with them. Uh, The eighth picture, uh, these are a couple of projects that we went out to. Um, This was one of the church planting schools. And so it costs a little bit better. Those are a metal frame building, a steel frame, I should say. Is metal and steel the same? I don't know. I'm just a pastor. But, you know, the big uh, frame comes in. They ship them over, and uh, that's where pastors go to learn. For nine months, they get an intensive training about how to plant a church and where they're going to go in the community, and then they just go do it. There's not, like, a real big plan. They just teach them theology and tell them, go figure it out. You know, you love Jesus. They don't know about Jesus. Make it happen. And then they go. They plant a church. And then if they're good at that for two years, then they'll let them get ordained. And uh, it's a, a privilege to be part of that, so we dedicate that. Then the next... Picture is um, a local church, and you can see a lot of children there. One of the initiatives that Dr. Barnabas Mtokambali has put out there is that every church would have a school in their building. So every church that has a building is is trying to start a school because one of the initiatives that he made to the prime minister is that the education system in Tanzania needs to be redone. So Dr. Barnabas called upon him to change the educational system. The prime minister agreed. Then Dr. Barnabas said, you know what? I want some land here in Dodoma because I want to put a university up. And the prime minister said, okay, in front of 5,000 people, the prime minister, who's a Muslim, looked at the leader of the Tanzania, Assembly of God, told a few of the people that worked for him. I was trying to listen in the interpretation. And he was like, give him the land he wants. We have the land. Let him do it. Look what he's done. Favor from a government that's not Christian to say, go ahead and do what you want. There's something that happens when they go and they care about the even the next generation. So they're making these kids, making the school. Now it's interesting. If you look on this picture on the left, see the little tree that's back off there to the right. It was just a couple years ago that this pastor had gone out to the tree because he was told to go plant a church. And he just started preaching in the village under the tree. Didn't have a church building, didn't have a social media following, didn't have like a launch team. They just started preaching under the tree. And it was just a couple years ago, we were there and he started to have a few people around. And we we're like, man, he's got people, but no church building. He's like, I have a church. We were like, well, you don't have a church building. And so we were like, how much would cost to build a church, and they will do all the labor, so we just had to buy a little bit for $2,000, we sent them, and they just built this church, and now they have a church building, and these people are there, and we got to go and pray for them, and... That's a church that's there that a couple years ago wasn't, but it was just a graduate. And for $2,000, now he's got a church. It was pretty cool to be part of, but I thought how many people in America are waiting until they have everything in place before they'll say yes to whatever God is asking them to do, right? It might be a business plan. It might be a family, it might be a church. And here was people who just said yes. And a couple years later, you can see the fruit of their obedience. And it was just encouraging to be part of it. And then the last picture is uh, myself and, and Dr. Barnabas, He's the one in the middle. <laughs> and uh, then Dr. Sam Johnson on the right. And uh, Dr. Barnabas still had his shirt all buttoned up. Sam and I were tired. It had been a long day. But here's the interesting thing. So, you know, Sam Johnson, our missionary with Priority One, Dr. Barnabas had been here a couple of years ago. Um, I, I just want to give testimony to what happens when we say yes and we obey. To Jesus. It was 77 years ago, 1945, the war had just ended. My great grandfather had been pastoring in Iowa, and the Lord had called him and his family to go to Africa to British East Africa. Tanzania was not a country yet uh, until 1961. So 1945, the Lord called them to go. They packed up their family belongings. They were in shipping containers in New York. They had traveled the country. They'd raised their funds. They'd gotten their shots. They'd gotten their visas. And they were about to go to what is now Tanzania, British East Africa. The Lord had called them to go. Well, there was another missionary but the was a guy that was coming off the field because he had a bad sickness, disease that was preventing him from staying over there without the lack of medical coverage and different things. And so a week before he was to return back to America and my great-grandfather was set to go over there to British East Africa... The existing missionary was healed and the powers that be, the lead director of foreign missions said, you know what? He's going to stay in the country. He already has a relationship. We're going to take the funds and the things that you've raised. We're going to give it to him. He's going to stay there. And my great grandfather was no longer able to go to Africa, but he was instead called to Minnesota. He went to, right? Exactly. He went to Brainerd Gospel Tabernacle and he passed through there in 1946 but he never lost sight of that goal, that dream, that vision that he had, that the Lord had called him to go. And I just think it's interesting when you say yes, even if you don't see it happen in your lifetime, three generations later, um, I'll give you a little church history for us. I was pastoring, my wife and I were pastoring in North Carolina and we had this missionary, Sam Johnson came to our church and he didn't say you should go to Africa. He said, you should go to Minnesota. So my grandfather made it to Minnesota kind of via a call to Africa that was closed. And once I got to Minnesota, it was four years ago that Sam Johnson said you need to meet Dr. Barnabas in Tokambala. You need to go to Africa. Isn't it interesting that acts of obedience alter in reverse order. So when I went there just a week ago and I preached for their general counsel, it was 77 years from the time my great-grandfather received the call to go and preach in Africa till the time I was able to go and preach as well. So I just want you to know, even if you don't see it happen in your lifetime, yeah. if you'll say yes to Jesus, if you'll obey, you don't know what he'll do shitty Terry. So I just want to say thanks for your prayers. Thanks for for sharing that with us. And um, uh, it's exciting to see what God is doing. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, you could turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you're able, if you'd stand to your feet here this morning, we are going to continue this series, uh, Sizzle and Summer. And uh, next week, I'm so excited. I got my friend Pastor Tang Vu is going to preach. One of the things that I've asked the Lord to do is to bring some of our national and international leaders of these summers of God to preach right here at our church, to share and impart with us. Pastor Tang leads our National Hmong AG Fellowship, and I've had the privilege of preaching for their general counsel the last two years, and I've asked him to come and share his testimony here with us next Sunday. Spoiler alert... He was addicted to drugs and alcohol, was committing crimes, was gonna go to jail. Instead, Wendy Lowry, a member of our church, had asked the judge, would you let him come to Teen Challenge? He came to Celebration Church on his second day, gave his heart to Jesus Christ on a Wednesday night right here in this room. His life was radically changed. Now he's pastoring a church, leading all the Hmong congregations in the United States of America, and he'll be with us next week. So I just wanna encourage you to be here for that. So amen. It's gonna be great. And I look forward to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and following. Uh, the Bible says this. Remember this. Why does he tell you to remember? Because we forget. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly so that this is important don't stop reading so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work titled the message, Generosity Encouraged, because that's what the the title of this passage is in my Bible. And I wrote this message on one of my long layovers. And so I don't know if that's a creative title or not, but it's right out of the Bible. So it's going to work. Generosity Encouraged. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we've been given once again to lift high that mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We join with our brothers and sisters all around the world who've lifted high that name the only one who can save, the only one who can deliver, the only one who can set free and heal. It's in that name of Jesus that we pray. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Speak to us all, both individually and corporately. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. For the sake of time, I'm jumping right in to the note sheet. Number one, you reap how you sow. You reap how you sow you sow this is even different than reaping what you sow. We understand that to be true. We get that like in farming if you plant apple seeds, what do you get? Pineapple. No, Josh, that's not <laughs> what you get. Okay? He said a pineapple. The Lord help him. So we lay hands on okay, no, no. If you plant apple seeds, you get apple trees, and apple trees give you apples. You don't plant an apple seed and get an orange. Some of you should write that down because you've been sowing bad seeds and expecting good fruit, but that's not what's going to happen. You reap what you sow. That makes sense, right? My dad taught me this. We weren't a farming family, no surprise, but uh, he taught me this, you know, like how you treat other people is how they'll treat you. You reap what you sow. If you're mean to other people, they're mean to you. You met those people, praise the Lord, okay? But if you're nice to people, they'll be nice to you. Unless it's during COVID and they disagree with you politically, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> What'd you say? That's funny because that's, that's the life I've lived for a couple of years, you know, but, but no, we get that, right? We reap what we sow. Jesus said it right this way, Matthew chapter seven, verse 12, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I want to just say we need Christians who will take that seriously and lead the way with doing unto others as we would have them do unto us instead of doing unto others as they have already done to us. I get it. You've been hurt. You've been wrong. But but if we only do as has been done to us on earth, we can't be part of the change. We, We need to change those things, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. That's Jesus' golden rule, which is different than our society's golden rule. Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Our society's golden rule is kind of like if you have the gold, you make the rules. So we need Christians who will live differently, who will change that cycle, who will shift that in the system. So we understand that we reap what we sow, but here we see this idea that we reap how we sow. We also reap how we sow. If we sow a little, we reap a little. And if we sow a lot, we can have confidence that we will reap a lot. It's just as logical that we reap what we sow as it is we reap how we sow. With confidence, if we plant apple seeds, we expect apples. Therefore, with confidence, we can expect if we plant sparingly, In other words, if we plant just one kernel of corn, we should expect just a little bit of harvest, one stock of corn. There it is. Hopefully it worked, you know. But if we want a field full of corn or soybeans or whatever my neighbors are growing this year, they kind of changed it up, you know, but we ought to plant more than just one seed. That's, that's one of the joys that we have of kingdom builders of coming together as a church and joining with other churches, right? That we can say, we, we want more than just a little harvest. We want more than just a little thing. But even if we don't have it ourselves, we can join together with other people. It's not a competition, it's a cooperation. We can join together with other churches. That was one of the most powerful testimonies that we shared in Africa. Uh, one morning I got to preach and the other morning, Pastor Rob Kettling got to preach, who's uh, the lead pastor, at River Valley Church seven years ago. They used our church Saturday night, Sunday morning before we did as I came here. And and that story shocked the entire room because they're used to, Um, being rivals with their other pastor. They're like, this is my church, this is your church. And they said, they got two churches that meet together and and Pastor Rob and I were friends. They were like, we don't know how that works. And it was like a revelation to them. It's our joy. It's our privilege. We're not competing with one another. We're not competing against the people we're seated next to. We're not competing against another church in town. We're cooperating together. Why? Because the good news needs to go to the whole world. And that can't happen by ourselves. That can't happen with just one church. We all get to do it together. So it's a joy and our privilege that we get to sow a lot, even if individually we can only give a little. We get to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And what do we know? We always reap in proportion to how we sow. We reap in proportion to how we sow. It's always amazing to me. I hear these stories, you know, so it's just not about churches, about businesses that thrive. What do they do? They invested heavily in their company, their people, their employees in a downtime. And if they invested heavily in their people, then when it came time and business picked up, they were able to grow exponentially. Why? Because they invested in what matters, Instead of sitting on things and hoarding and conserving, they were like, "We've got to prepare before harvest time." The same is true spiritually. Right? we do this, like with our kids, right? We don't just wait till they're grown ups and then be like, "Oh, now I should pray for you." Yeah. Come on, we're gonna pray for them all the time. We're gonna sow into them all the time. We're gonna invest into them all the time. Why? Because we're believing for a great harvest. Dr. Barnabas said that. He said, 10 years before she was elected, we began to invest into her and say, here's a gal that has favor with her classmates. Here's a gal that's excelling in school. And it came time for her to run for public office, and they, the church, paid her filing fee to be eligible to run for government. I don't know if we're allowed to do that in America or not. You don't have to look into that, you know, but... uh, But here's the thing. You've got to invest in something to produce a bigger harvest. So we shouldn't be surprised to see the investment over 10 years produced the national speaker of the assembly of the whole country. But can you imagine if it had been like, hey, let's just pray for an election. That was all they did for 10 years. Well, it wouldn't have produced this great harvest, and they're believing for more. They want to change a whole nation. We can do that as well, but we have to know we reap how we sow. Here's the second thing. Again, this is just right out of the Scripture. You need to decide. I put decide as the blank because we don't like the blank being on the first word, but really the emphasis is on you. This verse does not say you need to give what your pastor decides. I know some of you went to a church like that before here, but that's a different story. (laughs) It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. That's important. And and I mean, if you're newer to celebration, this is really important for you to hear. we really believe this to be true. Like there's not high pressure sales tactics, uh, you know, and these kind of things or or boatloads of like emotional ploys to get you whipped up in a moment and then just, you know, it's we just try to present needs from time to time, but really we just believe in everybody praying to God. God, what is it that you would have me to do? We don't pray, God, what is it that you have my neighbor to do? Unless you're married to them, then it's okay to pray that, you know, (laughs) right? You're like, oh, well, pray for that section. No, no, we all pray. God, what is it that you would put on my heart? What is it that I would do? Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. So we consider it a joy to give back to him because he's been so good to us. You you don't hear any sad music when it's offering or or a special thing, right? You're in a room full of people that are excited to have the privilege, the opportunity to get to do those kind of things. We say it this way, we don't have to, we get to. Right? It's a joy that we're like, hey, it's a choice that we're going to make. Um, we, we do our best to keep you informed of some of those partnerships locally, globally. You've heard some of those mentioned, whether that's like gift cards for teachers, um Kids Wing, Remodel, um, the Mission Summit for some African pastors coming here next year. We try to just keep you aware of those, but it's not like we stop and do the whole thing and say, okay, well, what can you do and you do and you do and, you know, and get out a calculator and figure it out. Do we need to pass the bucket again or not? We don't really operate that way. And um, I, I was reading some stuff. It's kind of crazy. I have to go online to read some of these crazy things, but we, we don't, like, check your W-2 to find out if you're giving enough. I read about a couple of churches that did that, and I was like, "What in the world? Who goes to those kind of places?" But anyway, uh, right? We're not like asking to see a copy of your pay stub and get out a calculator, find out oh, is that what percent is that? Like, just we're just like everybody pray, do what God asks you to do, and that's the way that it remains a joyful thing. Now, don't get me wrong; there's always more needs. There's always things locally. There's always things globally. Uh, but I, for one, just can't support some of those high pressure tactics that some people use, you know, to get you stirred up in advance. One of my favorite things to do, my wife and I, at the end of every year, looking forward to the next year, is we set out and we make family goals for the year. Yes, that includes where do we want to go on a vacation or if there's a birthday mile marker that we're going to celebrate that year or those kind of things. But but really the most fun thing is to talk about, okay, what is it that we gave to the kingdom of God this last year? And what is it that we want to ask him to help us do this year? We want to have a goal and it's a joy when we're doing what God has asked us to do. And I believe you know that as well, even though you're very silent today. Some of you are wondering, are we doing another offering? No. (laughs) That would be really weird if I did after all those things I just said. Think about it. Okay, anyway, so but but we take these steps on our journey. But it's not just finances, and I mean it includes finances, but it's how we live our lives. It's way more than just a check that we write, it's how we live. A few years ago I preached a sermon series and it was talking about steps we take for ourselves, but not by ourselves. We talked about salvation and water baptism and church life, community groups, those kind of groups, those kind of things. And, and so we're doing these things that we have to choose for ourselves. Nobody can make you take another step in your walk with Jesus. Nobody can force you to take a step, you know, at the church. It's everybody has to choose them. But I've noticed that we all kind of do the same steps. And and I was thinking about some of these steps here uh, in regards to money, but I was thinking about how it really isn't limited to money because Jesus is way more interested in our whole life Then he is just, you know, like a check that we write or offering that we give. But I was thinking about the different steps that people have. The first step was none. I did this in the first service, and I was a lot more scared then. But I've done it once, and so now I have confidence in our building team. Thank you very much. But um, which, by the way, is also a life lesson. Once you've done something the first time, you build up more confidence. But if you go back and watch the first service, I was like crawling up these steps. I was like, "Dear Jesus, don't let me die," you know. And anyway, so. The first step, it's none. I called it never in the first service, but it's none. I'm reading, it's upside down, none. It's, the, it's, it's maybe the fastest growing segment in America. People who will mark none on their religious affiliation, right? And, and I just want to say, if you're here, it'd be weird if that was you, but even if you were, or if you're watching, that's okay. And I want you to know we're praying for you. I'm not going to sit here and yell at people who feel like this is now where they are. I'm not going to try to guilt you into thinking something because the truth is at some time in all of our lives, we were basically here. We weren't aware yet that God had done something for us. Well, it makes sense if you're talking about giving that you would give none if you haven't received anything, right? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. How do you give? Because you've already received. So instead of, uh, belittling and, and lamenting and me making a blog about the people and none. I just want to say, let's be people who will pray for anybody right here. That we pray that you'd receive from Jesus everything that he has for you. I pray as you hear this church that you'd receive the ministries that are offered to you. If you noticed, there was no like pay at the door on your way into church. I mean, that was happening, but that was for monkey bread. That's a different story. Okay. Like, <laughs> Church attendance, you could, you could just come. Like, if you buy tickets to Disney World, you have to pay before you go on a ride. You don't have to do that when it comes to God. He says, come and receive. So, so wherever you, you know, that, but that's the first step. At least admitting, this is where I am. But eventually, all of us receive something from the Lord, and we then choose to give something back to him. Right? The first step that we take after receiving for him, it might be like, oh, uh, I give something in the offering. I had $20 left over, or I liked the project that was going to go on. You did something, but mostly it was probably leftover, or it was like a tip. You know, like, did I like the preaching? (laughs) Four of you do, but we're not doing another offering, so it doesn't really matter, you know (laughs) right? But we'll do something, but it's kind of emotional. It lacks consistency. Because if we didn't like it, if somebody said something or ignored me in the lobby, it's like, well, then I'm not giving anything. Somebody didn't give anything to me, right? It's it's, uh, situational. It's dependent upon how we're treated, but it's still a step. We don't jump from the bottom all the way to the top, right? But we take a step. Right? Then eventually we become consistent and we take God serious and we we go, hey, okay, if the tithe belongs to Him, it's first fruits, Uh, it's obedience, but it's faith. I'm going to do it first. It belongs to Him and it's consistent. It's not about was there a fun video for a cool project, it's not about was the preaching good. It's not about what, it, it's not situational. It's not something, it's just, it's a consistent, it's a tide. Now remember, I've kind of talked about money, but in a moment I'm going to talk about way more than money. Because it really should be how we live our lives, right? Then eventually we take another step. I was so wobbly in the first service right here. <laughs> but I got to be careful. I don't want too much confidence, you know, because then if I fall in the second service, that's not good, you know. Um, my notes are right there, Josh, if you need to keep reading them, right? So, Had to look at the box again. I almost forgot. (laughs) The next step we take is more. It's not just a Sunday morning. It's not just a first of the week. It's not just what belongs to God. God, I want to give you more. For, For us, it might be where kingdom builders falls in. I want to Be more. I want to go on a global trip. I want to support a missionary. I want to build a a building in Africa, whatever that is, right? Like, I want to do more because what's expected of me is not enough because I know God didn't just do what was expected. He did more, right? So I want to do more, and we make a choice. We take another step, but it's always these that we kind of take in order. And then eventually we realize it's not even a decision of how much more of mine do I want to give, but we choose to be all in. That doesn't mean like you sell your house and you write the check to the church. Some of you should have put a bigger smile on your face when I said that, right? But because it's not really just about money, it's how we live our lives. Right. And we realize it's not just a missions trip to go on. It's that I'm gonna live missionally every day of my life. I'm all in. This isn't something I schedule, yeah. right? Think, think of it this way. If you come back up here in your life, none. They haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. Then you're like, you give your life to Christ and then some services, if you like the worship song, you'll raise your hand. But if you don't, you're like, you know what? I like this one better. You go back to none. You put your hands in your pocket. Or if you're a Norwegian Lutheran, that's normal. That's okay. It's a different step for you, okay? You start here none is actually an improvement. (laughs) That's okay, right? I just, I just, everybody's taking a step, you know, but if you grew up in the South or Pentecostal or not Norwegian white, this is none. This is not a good step for you. But if you're Norwegian Lutheran, this is a good step. Okay. Just got to find out what step you're on, you know, right? But, but you're like, okay, my life, I like the sermon series, then I'll come or or I won't. I like the host team leader. I'll serve some, but, or right, we take a step, but eventually we just, we, we realize I want to start my week in the house of the Lord. I, I want to just do what belongs to God. I want to offer him even a tithe of like of my time. It's a percentage. Tithe really refers to money, but if we think about it, this is what is expected, I'm going to pray, I'm going to read my Bible. But eventually, when we do what's expected, we're all drawn to more. And all of a sudden now, we're like, you know what? There's a whole world that needs to hear about Jesus. I don't want to just live for God at church. I want to live for him everywhere of my life. There's more available. There's more gifts of the Spirit. There's more gifts from the Father. I want, if it's a gift from him, I want it. I'm open to it. There is more. I'm not satisfied with just what's expected. I want more. And eventually we say, I'm all in. I'm willing to say yes to Jesus and tell my classmate about him. I'm willing to run my business like it's his business because it is. I'm willing to lead my family, not just at devotion time, but I'm gonna lead my family correctly all the time. It doesn't mean we don't mess up but we're saying, I'm all in. Now, sometimes that's when we say yes to, to go serve Jesus around the world. We, we know that, right? The Royakers, they were like, God called us, we're moving to Estonia, we're all in. But you know, you can be all in right here in the Twin Cities. Because all in is not a location, it's a condition of our heart. This is, I don't want to just be, and what happens is, when we take these steps with the Lord, it changes our perspective, Back when we were down here, we couldn't even think. We were like, look at way up there. That's fall. It's risky. I'm about to just start running on these. I don't even care anymore, you know. I see Pastor Lewis back there. That's why I can run confidently, you know. In the first service, I was wobbling. He's like, I could catch you, Pastor. I'm like, you're too far away for a fat dude. I will fall quick, you know. But, <laughs> but we take steps. And here's the thing you need to understand, just, just so we're real clear here at Celebration. We're not going to force you to take any of those steps. You need to choose for yourself. Now we'll walk with you. We'll encourage you. But nobody's going to push you up those steps. Nobody's going to push you to join a group. You either do or you don't. Nobody's going to push you to be on on a team. You do or you don't. Nobody's going to push you to come to prayer. Do or you don't. We're going to make them available, but you've got to choose by yourself or for yourself, but you won't be by yourself. We're committed to walking together. But friends, it's way more than money. It's how we live our lives that we all should be all in. Why? Because Jesus was all in for us. (laughs) He didn't just get crucified like on the right side of his body. He didn't like look at this and turn. He's like, just nail the right side. The left side, I'm keeping to myself because I'm only more. No, no, he was all in, right? So it makes sense. The only appropriate logical response to him being all in for us is for us to be all in for him. But you got to get there by taking steps. All right, number three you will have all that you need. Maybe I should have preached this point before I did the steps (laughs) because I think if you actually believe that you'll have all that you need, you'll be more willing to take these steps. Usually we pause at whatever step we're not sure the next one will be met in our lives. right? We're like, well, I don't know. How could I give something? I've never given anything. So it's like a big deal. But then once we're up there and we look back, we're like, well, I'd never go back down. Like I'm not going to give God less of my life. That doesn't make sense. But we struggle to take another step when we are unsure if he actually will provide all that we need. This is what he said there in verse eight. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. I would just say, you should decide that this is true or maybe you need to decide that this is true before you'll actually experience it because it's not gonna make sense to take another step unless it's involving faith. You've gotta believe that God has better things in store for you and that he'll take care of you whatever it is that he asks you to do. There are a lot of people who, um, you know, this verse says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. I'm a little confused why some people minimize the abundant blessings of God. You've met those people. You're like, oh, that's a nice shirt. You're like, yeah, I got it on clearance. I got it on clearances. Barely any money. It's okay. Oh, those are cool shoes. Oh yeah, it was BOGO, 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 (laughs) BOGO. BOGO. Right? It's like, you know, if God bless you, that's okay. You don't have to flaunt it, but you don't have to make an excuse for it either. (laughs) Uh, On the other token, there's other people, and again, this isn't whether or not you have a lot or a little. Think about it on the other side. I'm talking about attitudes, perceptions, the way we live, whether you have a lot or a little. There's people who act like they're never going to have enough. Again, that doesn't mean zero money in the bank account or millions. I'm just saying there are people who live in a state of fear that they're not going to have enough. And whenever you're worried that you won't have enough, you probably won't. That's a reality, right? Because we will miss out on so much. And if we think we don't have enough. So I would just say, we all need to settle this verse in our spirit, right? God is able to bless abundantly so that all things, all times will have all that we need. What did the psalmist say? Psalm 37 and verse 25, the righteous will not be forsaken, nor their children begging bread. Now, the truth is, I remember stories in my family's history where children were begging bread. My grandfather was out, he was an itinerant evangelist, and I can remember he would go, and after preaching, he would ask somebody in the church before the Sunday night service, would, can my kids go play at your house for the afternoon while I get ready for tonight? And what he was really doing was hoping that they could eat lunch with the people in that church while he got ready for the night because they didn't have money to go to lunch that day. I remember my grandfather on my dad's side. He was the director of a teen challenge for 20 years. And they would sit down at the dinner table, and my grandfather would pray and ask God's blessing for food that was not on the table. And they would hear the doorbell ring, and they would get up and go, There was a box of food. Oh, here, somebody said, I need to drop off these groceries. God would provide. So I've seen that kind of stuff. I've heard of it. By the time I came around, my family could afford all their meals. Clearly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But you've just got to decide either God's true to his word or he's not. And if he's true to his word, instead of developing this theology around your disappointment, it's okay to be disappointed. It's just not okay to dwell on that and say, well, I guess God's word's not true. No, you might say, God, because I know your word is true, would you help my heart accept why it is that I didn't get that or why it is that this didn't happen, right? This goes beyond money. This has to do with healing. This has to do with uh, 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 restoration of families. God, I know what your word says. And when that doesn't align with what I'm seeing, God, help me to see it the way that you've said it will happen. You've just got to decide. Even though I'm not seeing it right now, even though I'm not experiencing it that way, what's wrong is my experience, not his word. You will have all that you need. And then number four, this is the reason. It's kind of like, could be two points in one, but so that you will abound in good deeds. This is what he says. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So in all things, all times, having all that you need. Why? So that you will abound in every good work. His blessing is so that we can be a blessing to others. We are blessed abundantly to abundantly bless others. God takes care of our needs and then more, why? So that we can abound in every good work. And by the way, abounding in good deeds is more than just writing a bigger check for the offering. Abounding in good deeds is how we live every day of our lives. We don't do good works to become saved. We do good works because we are saved, (laughs) Right On Wednesdays, we've been talking about these outreach opportunities, but it it should be more than, we're, we're praying that it's more than just something we do on a Wednesday night. We're praying it's a catalyst for how we can live every day thereafter. Sure, sometimes we do things corporately to have that experience, but then the goal, the desire is that we would do that in our groups. We would do that in our families. Why? So that it's not just a spiritual checklist of things that we've done and then we go back to our regular lives. No, we're asking God, would you change our everyday lives so that we could abound in good deeds every day? Now, our society doesn't really celebrate good deeds that often. I remember growing up and, uh, uh, in elementary school, we had our principal. And um, when we first moved to this town, we moved to Seattle. And I'd been homeschooled for kindergarten, first grade. Then we moved and then we had a, a private school and uh, at our church. And I got in trouble a lot. Because for talking too much. I wasn't like doing real bad stuff. I was just talking too much. Shocker. And um, well, what had happened is I was homeschooled, so I was the only kid in my class. And so I was used to one-on-one teacher-student conversation. <laughs> and it turns out when you go to a regular school, that's not okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, I uh, was talking too much. And so I had the opportunity, the privilege, the blessed chance to go and spend time at the principal's office. <laughs> I was there so much, I wanted to put my own nameplate on the door, you know. <laughs> Principal Sanderson and student Derek. I just felt like it was both of our office. And, you know, what was really awkward is for the first 10 weeks that we lived at this new church, uh, we did not have a house. And so we were staying with some people in the church turns out that family was the principal. <laughs> so we'd all be having dinner at night. And my dad's like, well, how did today go, son? I was like, ask her. You know, <laughs> you know we were together again, you know. So it was a interesting time and where I was constantly being caught doing something bad. Our next principal, after she retired, our next principal who came in, He wanted to change some of the behaviors of the school or some emphasis. And instead of this focus on what you're doing wrong and all that, he started something, put up a bulletin board called Caught You Being Good. And all of a sudden, it was back with Polaroid pictures, you know, back then, they might be cool again now, I'm not really sure, you know, but back then it was the only pictures we had. And, And would take pictures of a student that helped another student or a student that picked up trash because there's something that happens, but it requires a focused effort on our behalf to focus on the good. Our news stations don't focus on the good. Why? Because bad news sells. Sad news travels quick. But uh, I've been listening to a podcast this week about how many extra, like scientifically they've done studies, how many more positive things you need to outweigh one negative comment. It's this way all the time. And social media has thrived on that. It's why actually there's a, no, never mind. I'll do that later. Well, yeah, I'll just save that later. I was listening to a lot of that this week and problems with social media. and The negative, it just thrives for the negative. I said I wasn't going to tell you, now I'm going to tell you. It thrives on the negative, so all of a sudden we can have this surge of negative energy, but problems are never solved through negative energy online. And so social media, it creates this angst in our society, but it has no outlet to cure the problem that initiated those feelings. We've got to get back to people being together and that kind of stuff. But the amount of positive things that are wrecked in a moment from one negative conversation. But the truth is, we are the hope for this world to bring about those good things once again. Why? Because we were created to do good things. The apostle Paul said it this way when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, he said, you're God's masterpiece. Your translation may have said workmanship, but I love the New Living. It says you're His masterpiece. What were you, you were created in Christ? Created to do good things that He's already planned long ago. So therefore, we as a people need to lead the way, especially in our country, with doing good things, even if the principle won't catch you doing good. If it's still the right thing to do, I want you to know we have a heavenly Father who's not gonna miss those good things that you do. Yeah. I remember walking down the hallway and I picked up some trash and nobody you know, noticed it. I was like, mom, I picked up trash and nobody noticed. She was like, don't do it to get on the bulletin board wall. <laughs> but I was seven, so I was learning. You know, mm. It's only sad if we as adults are still only doing things to be noticed and recognized. Yeah. Right? It's logical for a seven-year-old but when it's a 37 or 47, right? Those are the problems. Let's just do the things that he's planned for us. Let's abound in every good work. I'll close with this and uh, we'll, we'll finish. Be generous on every occasion. This is way more than giving an offering in a church service. Let's live generously on every occasion. It says it this way. As it is written, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor their righteousness endures forever. I love this promise to us here today. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I love that, friends. There's something about if God knows It'll go through you. He can trust you to get it to you. I just think there's something about that. the Seed to the sower. He'll increase your store of seed. Why? To produce a bigger harvest. When it comes to finances, we would say, if you'd live open-handed, God, I receive from you, but I want it to be used for your glory. But more than living open-handed, I would just ask, are we willing to live open-hearted, lived? But that wasn't a good English word. Will we say, God, everything I have is open to you? My time, my talent, my gifts, my abilities, (laughs) everything that I, will it be open? You know, some people have a home that's conducive for hosting people, have people over. Some people have an ear that's conducive to listening, listen to people. Whatever it is, will you say, God, my life is yours? And if you will, he will enlarge that harvest of your righteousness. You know, Malachi 3.10 says, the Lord says, test me in this, bring in the tithe and the soros. See if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I just want to remind everybody, I think if you've been here, you probably know this by now, but his blessings are way more than just finances. Wouldn't you believe if all your kids are serving the Lord, that'd be a blessing from above? Wouldn't you believe if you got good health, that'd be a blessing from above? Wouldn't you believe, right? His blessings are way more than money. People tend to think just financially, but it's about way more. His blessing, I would say his goodness and his grace, his love endures forever. I'm gonna pray for increased joy here in the house today. At the end of every service there in Tanzania, Dr. Barnabas would receive an offering and uh, we got to walk down off the stage and give because I was told beforehand, everyone gives in Tanzania. I said, praise the Lord, Uh, I'll be ready. But Dr. Barnabas always said this, he said, there is a joy for those who give and there is a joy for those who receive. So let the house of the Lord be filled with joy today. I just love that. There's a joy for those who give and a joy for those who receive. Many of us in the room, we understand that to be true, whether that's an offering, whether that's prayer. You know, it's a joy to pray for somebody else. And it's a joy to be prayed with. So whatever area of your life, financially, spiritually, I would just say, let the house of the Lord be filled with joy today. Amen. Amen. Would you pray uh, pray with me? Bow your head, close your eyes. Here this morning, in a moment, Pastor Dan's gonna come and give us our instructions, but I wanna pray. that the house of the Lord, the place where his glory dwells, yes, even you and me, each and every person gathered here today, watching online, maybe watching at a later time, may we be filled with joy today. Father, I bless your people today. Every... Man, woman, boy, girl, from the oldest to the youngest, I pray that you'd fill us with joy today. We're so thankful for what you've done for us. The great gift of your son, Jesus, who died in our place, paid a price we couldn't pay, forgave us of our sins. We're no longer gonna spend eternity separated and suffering and punishment, but we get to spend eternity with you forever. We're so grateful the great gift that you've given us. And because of that, we are today filled with joy. Whether we're in the position to give or in the position to receive, I pray that we would all be filled with joy today. We consider it such an honor to serve you, Lord Jesus, here in your church. We consider it such a blessing to be a blessing to others in this local community and all around the world. We consider it the joy of our lives to do whatever it is that you've asked us to do. So I pray, Lord Jesus, for an increase of joy in your church today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Do you receive that today? Amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.